0: Hello, welcome to Meraki Unboxed for the last time in 2020. Very excited to welcome you back for the last time, for the last show of the year. This is episode 41. I can't believe we've got through so many. We have so many great episodes, fantastic content. Always encourage you to go back and have a look through the archive. Almost everything we've recorded over the last 18 months is still really relevant. There's really nothing I can think of that's aged out at this point. Obviously, we had a little bit of a dent in our uh, plans for 2020, and we'll certainly be talking about that during the show today. That's actually our main theme is looking back over 2020. It's that time of year when everybody's looking back. And of course, I think more so this year than almost any other year I can think of in my lifetime, also looking very enthusiastically forwards. So, Let's get into the conversation. Uh, this is obviously the uh, Meraki Unbox podcast, as I said. What I would like to do is introduce Meredith, who runs the Meraki community. And I know many of the listeners to this podcast are actually members of that community. Uh, so very excited to have Meredith on. And, and Meredith, uh, I think you've also brought some guests along. So please introduce yourself and then uh, let's get into talking to the panel.
1: Thanks, Simon. Yes, uh, that is correct. I'm Meredith. I am the community manager for this fine Meraki community. I brought some friends and we have Darren O'Connor, who is one of the infamous all-stars, UC Cert. He's a network consultant. He's been with the community since the very early days in 2017 and has landed a number of member of the month wins, and has over 600 posts on the community, received 700 kudos, and solved 40 issues for people. Next, we have Chris Laird, who is Assistant CIO for Infrastructure at Moravian College. He, too, has been with the community for almost since the very beginning, joining in 2017, and he is the big winner from our June... Folding at Home Contest, which we will chat in more detail about later. Then we have Charles Rayer, who is the head of IT for Caesars Entertainment. CMR, also known as, has been with the community since early 2019. He's also an all-star and has landed several Member of the Month awards and has, let's see, 1,200-plus posts, 800 kudos, 57 solutions, so he's been pretty busy since joining.
0: That's quite a lineup we've managed to get together. Um, Good job, Meredith. And I I wonder if you could just maybe give us a quick overview of the Meraki community's history. So we've been running this thing for quite a while, right? And you you mentioned things like kudos and member of the month. Maybe just talk us through how the community is organized and what the components of it and how people can participate, the kind of gamification side as well.
1: Sure. Way back in 2017, the community was born. Uh, This year, we reached the ripe old age of three. It was originally set up as a mainly focused on peer-to-peer support around Meraki products. It's since kind of grown to have things like gamification going on. So you can earn badges based on your achievements in the community. You can earn rankings. We have this program called the Meraki All-Stars, which recognizes and rewards the top contributors in the community every year. We've also launched quite a few new resources for people. So we launched a feature announcements feed to follow along, get the latest news on you know new features for our products. We also launched a projects gallery, which is pretty cool. Folks can share pictures and stories about work that they've done with Meraki and give each other kudos. Uh, which is kind of our version of a a like button. And some super interesting stuff has come through there. Do check that out if you go to the community. I think my favorite one involves an MV and some bunnies. We also have several different language spaces in the community. We started with a a Portuguese board that uh, one of our Brazilian technical trainers, moderates for us. And then this year we launched a Spanish-speaking board as well as a whole Meraki Go-focused Japanese community. We've spent the year trying to keep our spirits up with some fun contests, so we like to run a yearly Talk Like a Pirate Day contest as well as, you know, mixing in some technical challenges that require a little more brain power. And I guess by the time this airs, we'll have run our yearly Gnome in the Home contest which is a a copy of the elf on the shelf but with our beloved meraki gnome
0: (laughs) so i'm trying to figure out how you do a uh, talk like a pirate thing on an online message board are you going to give us a demonstration
1: uh, you know, it's pretty amazing the amount of resources available for translating normal speak into pirate speak. You can write your whole post out into a translator. It spits back out, replacing lots of words with doubloons and ye old and yar. And it comes out pretty authentic. Having not met any pirates myself, I feel confident that I've got the language pretty down.
2: <laughs> so that's how you've been doing it then?
1: It's a mix of uh, the translators and then looking at the extensive lists uh, available of terms and insults and phrases.
0: I've got to admit that I did not expect that seven minutes into the conversation today, we would be talking about pirates and how to talk like a pirate. That's not a direction I anticipated. So <laughs> you just never quite know what's going to happen on a recording like this.
1: It's the hot button issues.
0: So let's bring the guests in. I'm super excited to, and we have a real international crowd. We had a quick chat before we hit the record button, and I heard some fellow uh, British accents on there. So welcome to all three of you. And I mean, I don't really know how to handle this from a who goes first thing, but uh, the list I've got here starts with Darren. I think Darren was the first person who jumped on the call this morning. So hi, Darren.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: It's awesome to have you on. And you are the network person?
2: I am the network consultant at UC Cert.
0: Perfect. And then I think next up was Chris.
2: Yeah,
3: thanks for having me today.
0: Awesome to have you on, Chris. And then Charles.
2: Hi, glad to be
4: here. And uh, I think Meredith slightly uh, improved my job title from uh, head of IT in Caesar's Emir to being the overall head of IT. I quite like the paycheck that goes with
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, or should I say you're welcome?
0: We can make up all kinds of stories on this show. So I think the first thing <laughs> I was very keen to, for us to chat through was what our respective experiences had been like this year. Uh, we know it's been a year like no other and I'm sure you're all like me, you're probably hoping we don't have a year quite like this uh, ever again. And I'm certainly curious to hear what it's been like for you sort of reflecting back on that. So let's see, I'm going to actually pick on names at random because it's kind of fun. We just kick it off and then see where we go. So let's do it in reverse order. Charles, kick us off.
4: So for me, uh, 2020, like I think quite a lot of people in the world around March time, everything shut down, everyone went home and people were thinking oh you know this is a couple of weeks off and uh, here we still are and uh, I think uh, for me the biggest surprise of 2020 is that with having a lot of our users working from home they of course took laptops home we made sure we had VPN setups that supported vastly more people than they had previously done which was a nice short notice task Mm -hmm. but the biggest surprise to me was that Most people have no idea how their home broadband works, how the home Wi-Fi works, or what it even is in a lot of cases. I mean, we even had one senior member of staff who bought the cheapest broadband that you could buy and wondered why when he was on a video call, nobody could really see more than about four pixels. So it was been quite a fascinating year into the mindset of how people buy network connections at home. And actually really useful for our work going forward because people now understand why connections that we have between corporate sites cost so much more than what you get at home right by you know comparing the experience of working from home on what they think is a good internet connection versus the experience of working from one of our locations where they're accessing data over connections to a central store, just the same as if you were at home, but it's a dramatically better service in the office than at home.
0: Just paint a picture for us, Charles. Give us a picture of what your normal looks like prior to all this kicking off. Where were your employees? What's the setup? What kind of operation is it?
4: Prior to the lockdown in March, we were almost an exclusively working at corporate premises company most of our corporate premises are casinos of course we also have a corporate head office and a few other places like that and everybody pretty much monday to friday five days a week would go in and in the casinos of course it's 24 hours a day seven days a week but everybody would be working on site we do have a number of mobile phones that we've given out to people there were quite a lot of people who had laptops but it's more so they could use multiple corporate premises Hmm. with occasional work from home, maybe half an hour doing something in an evening or that kind of thing.
0: It's obviously a big change for all of them, and I guess it was an overnight situation. When did it actually happen for you?
4: Yeah, so I think we had about a week's notice, didn't we, where we were thinking that things were going to get locked down, and then suddenly it was happening that Friday. You know, we had to... Sort out our uh, remote access for our entire head office team and uh, lots of the people from the venues within that week and that's when we found that the remote access solution we had been using whilst it was licensed for hundreds of users it due to the previous requirements had a much lower concurrent user count Mm. and we were unable to increase that count because it was a solution that a certain vendor had decided to stop selling additional licenses for. Not good timing. yeah, Yeah, which was good timing. And although that vendor did give away many, many free licenses for months at a time over the pandemic, they weren't applicable to the solution we were using because it was one that was end of sale, if not end of life. So fortunately, we did have another VPN solution that we had done some testing with, but we'd never actually rolled out. And so that's what we uh, rolled out to several hundred users over a week.
0: (laughs) That's impressive. I mean, it's amazing how fast a lot of this technology was spun up almost overnight in a number of cases I've heard about as well. So what's been the ongoing experience? Any stories or nightmares that you've had to deal with uh, during the course of the year?
4: I think, say, that the biggest nightmare is people's home Wi-Fi. I mean, we didn't all have laptops to begin with, so some people were working off a home computer. And then they were connecting in and then using our uh, Citrix and remote desktop Mm. Mm -hmm. solution we have, which are perfectly functional, but not as good as having a dedicated computer if you're working your whole day. And so uh, when we've been shipping out some computers to these people... You'll get it to their house, they'll call you up, you'll get them through the first couple of screens and then you'll get to the point where you think you're about to hand off where you say, so now what you need to do is just connect it to your home Wi-Fi. And they say, well, do I have home Wi-Fi? And we, of course, have made them do a broadband test before, so we know they've got broadband, so they must probably have home Wi-Fi. And then... What you end up doing is Googling around for the installation documents for assorted internet service providers' equipment so that you can understand how it needs to be set up so you can tell the person who has it in their house what they need to do to actually find the name and password to their Wi-Fi and and that kind of thing. Wow. I really would never have expected that because I would have thought if you had home broadband and Wi-Fi, you would at least know how to get onto it, even if you had no knowledge as to how it worked and from a technical point of view. And that has been our kind of ongoing nightmare where at least once a week we have somebody where it goes very wrong. They have no idea how it works. They're not near us. I mean, we're spread all over the UK, so that could be several hundred miles away from where we are. So we can't just go and visit them and over a telephone or a, a video chat on a, on a mobile phone, you need to diagnose the problem with somebody's home networking so that you can get them back working.
0: It's amazing the extent of these challenges and and you're right of course a lot of our communities that we work with are not all technical people so of course they're going to run into some challenges as we get this up and rolling in the new situation that we found ourselves in. Let's hop across the Atlantic. Chris I want to just bring you in to obviously give us a different perspective because you work in a totally different field obviously still in technology but tell us about your world and what your year was like.
3: Well, it's been a fun year, but uh, I think it's interesting hearing the challenges that Charles has faced, because I don't think I faced a lot of those in, you know, in my world in education. You know, we've had challenges because of the shutdown, and it's been a difficult year for everyone, education included, but we were perhaps better poised for a shutdown than even some of the other schools and colleges locally. Just because a few years ago, our new president came in looked at our technology and our infrastructure, said, this is no good. We're going to redo all of this. So over the past few years, we've rewired for wireless almost all of our buildings. Mm -hmm. Every student now gets a MacBook and an iPad when they show up. Almost every employee has a laptop. Every faculty member has a laptop. So when we initially were shut down, Initially, they just said no in-person anything, but mm. we have thousands of students who live on campus. So they were still here using our infrastructure, but all of our wireless could you know, easily handle it. You know, We've spent, I think since 2016, 2017, when we were first introduced to Meraki, we've been upgrading our wireless for who knows what. We're just making it good, and then all at once it suddenly became critical that mm. 1,200 students are on Zoom doing video conferences at the same time. And fingers crossed, but it hasn't broken it. It's just worked so far. Most of our employees went home and I've definitely worked with employees in the past who had issues with wireless, had issues with technology at their house. And somehow it just didn't really happen this time. I don't know if we had sorted out all those issues before, but by and large, it went well. Of course, when we actually had to send students home And we went into full lockdown and no one was allowed on our campus anymore. Fortunately, our demographic is the younger generation. All of this is just natural to them. Mm, We would never have to ask the question of, do you have Wi-Fi? Do you know how to log on to it? It's second nature. I think our ratio is one employee to every 10, 15 students. So the vast majority of who we uh, support doesn't need support. Well,
0: I guess to that question, what about the staff then? They faced a huge change as well, of course, having to switch to mostly virtual learning, I guess, for a time.
3: Yeah, there were challenges, but I appreciate how everyone understood that things were different. If there's normally a fair amount of frustration when technology doesn't work and the conversation between IT and the person is strained, I didn't feel a lot of that this time. I think everyone was so stressed out and uncertain about the pandemic Mm. and everything else going on that it was a very kind transition. So we did have a lot of VPN trainings. We had to convert everyone's telephones from on your desk to jabber. Mm -hmm. There were pain points, but I feel lucky for how little it hurt, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that sounds like you've definitely had a smooth run of things. And I guess the preparation, like you said, you've been on top of this stuff for the last few years, getting the infrastructure in a good shape. So that's obviously gonna help a lot. We're basically just leapfrogging back and forth over the Atlantic Ocean today uh, because we're going back over to the UK now. Um, Darren, in your role, I guess you encounter a lot of different types of solutions as a consultant. So what kind of stories have you got for us?
2: For us, 2020 has almost been business as usual. You know, As engineers, we're used to working from anywhere, You know, whether that's home, customer's premises, half the time motorway service station a coffee shop once the pandemic hit obviously all that was shut down it's now working from home which for me has been more uncomfortable <laughs> right yeah you know, I'm used to being out there on the road you know one thing I have missed is the personal interaction with customers you know Charles is one of our clients once we went into lockdown you know, we helped Charles with some of their telephony you know doing call diverts and assisting them that way on a personal level you know we've got three small children at home so that's probably proven more challenging. Yeah, we've had a, a couple of COVID scares with the children within their year groups testing positive, so we've had to go on mass to the local testing centre. Luckily, they've all come back negative. Doing that's been the new family trip out, all jumping in the car and heading down to the local testing station. On the business level, where we've been having conversations pre-COVID with customers, you know, around cloud security, you know, those conversations have quickly fast forwarded to deployments, cloud security you know, such as Umbrella and AMP, you know, to protect customers endpoints off their network. We've even managed during the peak of COVID full deployments of meraki S D WAN and firewall solutions to some of our clients. Because they've all been locked down, it's been the ideal time to do those rollouts. Right. And because the sites have been closed down, you know, getting site access has been quite good.
0: Yeah, we were just actually talking about that on the last episode about how Some of these infrastructure projects in some cases been put on hold, but in other cases, they've been easier to actually progress because obviously it's it's been much easier to get the 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 shutdowns for the network.
2: Yes, it's kind of played to our advantage, kind of, so to speak, you know, where we've needed a weekend or something. to get access to swap a firewall out, we've been able to do that in hours, which has proven helpful.
0: Very nice. All right. Well, so definitely some experiences there. And I think everybody and including everybody who's listening to this has also got stories of their own. We've all been through our own different experiences of the year. Let's just have a look at the community. I know that uh, obviously, Meredith, we're very keen to talk about that. And of course, our guests today have come to us via the community in the first place. Maybe give us a, a kind of a 2020 recap for the community.
1: Well, I guess as per the theme of this episode, it has been a crazy year, but I like to think we got some cool stuff going in the community. Actually, early in the pandemic, we saw a bump in traffic, which I suppose isn't surprising because uh, there was a lot of new members looking to get help with VPNs going and you know getting their work from home situation sorted out. We also ran a contest early on kind of for sharing pictures of your new work from home setup. And there were a lot of cats on boxes, which was cute. <laughs> and then some cool stats the year happened, we continue to grow. We are almost at 50,000 members, just above 48 right now. And then over the course of the year, we had 30,000 posts and over two and a half million visits. Oh. So y'all kept coming. That's
0: impressive.
1: Yeah, I think one of the the coolest things that went on in the community this year was related to this project called Folding at Home, which a colleague pointed out to me as a cool thing to share with the community. And then we thought, well, why not also involve swag? So we decided to turn it into a contest. The project is called Folding at Home. And I'm sure everyone in this conversation understands how it works better than I do. But from my loose understanding, it is a software that allows you to donate spare processing power from your computer to help with running simulations for research, to help either find cures or vaccines for a variety of different diseases. And the the main focus this year, obviously, was on COVID. Would you say I characterized that correctly, Simon? Does that sound right to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds very much like my understanding of it. I think I remember this kind of technology when we were searching for aliens. I think that's probably still going on. SETI <laughs> at home was one of those things. And of course, people also can use these technologies for mining cryptocurrencies. But this is a much more worthy course. Of course, mm. I, I'm curious to hear uh, if any of Our guests have actually been uh, participants in this and how you've been getting on.
1: I think all three of them have been participated and Chris Laird was the uh, far and away, the top winner of the last round that we did as far as earning the most points by donating the most.
0: So what does this actually look like, Chris? Give us a picture of how you set this up. Like, what are you running on?
3: What am I running on? I sometimes feel unfair for competing under my name against the other contestants who don't have the number of computers i have (laughs) i remind myself that the end goal you know it's not about the competition it's about trying to contribute to a vaccine which you know thankfully has happened but you know what i'm running on When we shut down, we had 100 classrooms. It's a little more than that, but roughly 100 classrooms, each with a a relatively new Mac in them. We have an eSports team. You know, it's it's a budding eSports team. So they have a lab with new gaming computers with some sort of graphics card in them. I don't know the model.
0: Oh, yeah, super Um, powerful.
3: We have a graphics art program with all of their high-end graphic design machines, and all of them were just sitting empty you know the state shut down and they said no one's allowed on the property except for you know absolutely essential people and then meredith posted the folding challenge and um but hey a way i can help this seems fun you know you mentioned crypto mining you know if i did that i think i would go to jail (laughs) i believe i believe people have tried to sneak that in at their companies before mining on their work computers and that's a bit of a no-no but my boss uh, as soon as i mentioned it He uh, said, of course you could do that. That's a good way to contribute. That's awesome. Uh, Pushing it out was pretty easy. We used Jamf on all of our Macs. So it took about, you know, an hour to capture the install process, capture the configuration, and then push it out to 150 computers all at once. You know, pushing it out to our eSports machines, which are not Mac because gaming. You know, that was pretty easy too. You know, from there it just kind of ran. I would note that in the initial competition, I was far and away producing the most. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. That's not true this time. I don't know what some other people are running, but (laughs) I am being crushed this time around. It is neat watch.
0: There's nothing like a bit of healthy competition to to bring out the best in us.
3: Oh, Oh, I agree. It's fun watching it this time.
1: I think we're ranking even higher this time than we did before. Like we have a team set up for Cisco Meraki. And so everyone who participates as a part of this team collectively y'all got the team to like 200 and something out of hundreds of thousands of other teams and this time i think moving to the like early 200s the last time i checked
0: wow that's amazing i think i heard on the radio that uh, there's more than 20 different vaccines out there so it's not just the ones that we've all been hearing about in the headlines so this work i'm guessing is still continuing
1: I'm not sure about what Folding at Home is doing right now for COVID because we ran the competition again in November in honor of it being National Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Uh, We decided to donate our processing power to that cause.
0: Ah, Um, right, so it switches around all the time.
1: Yeah, they have a variety of causes that they're supporting. Of course, this year, their main focus has been Around COVID.
0: Well, that sounds like a really good. I mean, I love, I love that sort of sense of uh, healthy competition. What, what about the Brits? Have you guys been able to contribute to the Folding at Home thing? How's your own um, computing power look like?
4: Yeah, it's Charles here. I was originally part of the SETI at Home people back in, as you say, probably twenty years ago. It must have been. Right. Yep when you know having a a processor was a a good thing if you had a you know there was no such thing as multi-core processors there was no such thing as dedicated graphics cards that was kind of an interesting time back then and when that became folding at home about I think 15 years ago I had a competition with some colleagues at Caesars and we had sort of dual processor workstations which were the high end of the day and we actually did pretty well in folding at home then when the more recent competition came up i thought well let's give it a go now and i put a couple of machines on it and in i think it was something like five hours it had produced a higher score than the year that i had managed to achieve or you know the year's worth of folding at home score back 15 years ago mm. and this to mm. me was fascinating because it shows how the the processing power of computing has gone up so much in the last you know couple of decades that one year's worth of work can be condensed into less than one day yeah it's, i think it's i think it's it's incredible the progress as you know networking is part of that computing industry and uh, the amount of power that we have available to us in processes that allows us to do so much more you know whether it be you know intelligent networking whether it be helping out for you know calculations to try and map protein changes and things for medical purposes so it's an amazing time
0: that we live in now Mm, definitely is and uh yeah you definitely reminded me of Moore's law there it just seems to be keeping on going and we've even got vast amounts of power just in our smartphones now it's amazing how things have changed okay so I think I'm curious to hear about looking forwards so 2021 we're almost there we've almost made it through this very challenging year in 2020 so um Darren tell us about 21 for you what are your aspirations for next year
2: I guess for the kids to be back at school full-time with no scares, (laughs) that'd be uh, very welcome. Yeah, looking for the positives. We're getting more inquiries around office moves, people downsizing their premises. So we've seen some traction there and more of the same of the rush to digital transformation as companies continue to move their infrastructures to the cloud. I guess that will continue well into 2021 and beyond.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting ones is that I think one of my favorite things, I said it last week on the last episode as well, which was around COVID being the, the most powerful instigator of digital transformation we've ever had. And so yeah. there's a lot of that going on. And I think those projects will continue for a while yet. So that should be a, an interesting component of 21 for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. And As you said, it's taken the people's plans from five, 10 years and just brought it right forward.
0: Yeah, what about you, Chris? Obviously, colleges, same thing again. Everybody's very keen to get back to in-person learning, and obviously there's still some variability in that. But what are you looking forward to next year?
3: You know, I think my answer is quite similar. You know, we're transitioning faster than we ever expected towards a zero-trust network. When everyone's on campus, when everyone's here, it's relatively easy to segment and protect all the things that need protecting. It's relatively easy to add new requirements, add new layers of security anywhere we want. That has changed very quickly with everyone spread around the country. Mm -hmm. And we're not sure that even if, even when, not if, when, this is all behind us and we are fully reopened, education for us will ever look the same. You know, education has been changing for a long time. You know, it used to be blackboards and chalk, and now so much of it is online and in the cloud Mm -hmm. but we've gone from a few classes online in a digital format to all of them every class has had to learn how to teach online teach remote students have learned that they don't always need to be in a classroom they can do it from everywhere employees have learned the same hr has learned the same employees don't always need to be here to do a job that can just as well be done Virtually. Mm-hmm. That is accelerating how we approach our security, how we approach our network. We've had to start thinking about projects to reinforce and beef up certain parts of the infrastructure just aren't needed anymore. That energy is needed elsewhere. You know, we don't need to constantly look at improving the wireless when that money could be better spent improving the VPN, mm-hmm. improving the firewalls and the edge or adding new security products in the cloud. Outside of that, I'm interested in, excited in, and I've spent a lot of time talking with our director of information security about the industry's move to passwordless authentication. Like everyone, passwords are our main headache. They'll, they're always the main mm-hmm. headache, whether they're fished or hacked or forgotten or pick the problem with them. And now finally, we are talking to vendors and companies that passwordless is here. It's been accelerating so quickly. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what 2021 has to offer in that world.
0: What are those alternatives that you're thinking of?
3: I'll try to avoid name dropping companies, yeah. but we've been looking at the partners of the Fido Alliance, and there's some companies already on the market. There's some new companies on the market. We've spoken to some bigger, more established network vendors. So they hope to bring their password list offering online in 2021, and they make heavy use of your smartphone if you need a one of those little USB dongles mm. for your private key, public key authentication. And it's just a tap on your phone, you know, scan your face, scan your right, fingerprint, yeah. hit approve, and you're in. There's a lot of talk that it's coming in 2021. The tide has turned and it's almost here with the bigger players in networking. I'm excited to see it. I don't know what it will look like, but I'm excited for it.
0: I think it's very interesting what you were saying there about a shift to more focus around beefing up the security side of things. And that makes perfect sense, of course. If people are not all co-located, then the job of a firewall is made that much more difficult because your perimeter is harder to identify. So then it becomes all the more important to look at security at every layer within the IT infrastructure, I guess. Exactly. Okay. well, um, thanks for that. Charles, tell us about your excitement and enthusiasm for 21.
4: So for us, the best thing that can happen is people will be able to go out in the evenings and the nighttime again. We're very much looking forward to that because our business has been probably the most negatively impacted by uh, the things that have happened this year out of the three of us here, unfortunately, or actually including you guys at Meraki as well. So one of the things that I think we're going to see very much more of is working from home or certainly people working not from a big corporate office and to that end our networking investment is changing and we've been doing a lot of things like uh, looking at meraki z3s and and small mxs and the like to have at people's homes so that we can give people the experience that is as close to working in the office Mm. whilst they're at home and of course the fantastic thing about The Meraki options are that you can pretty much just get them shipped to someone's house if they can plug them into their broadband. I mean, of course, that's not Mm -hmm. a given, as as I mentioned. (laughs) If they can manage that, then we don't need to be anywhere near it. We don't need to ever see the device. And yet we can improve security and improve connectivity. So it is much more like being at a corporate site but within someone's home. And that is something that it's becoming a lot more affordable, say with devices like a 3s And it's something that say we've been testing out, it's working, we're gonna roll some more of it out. And I think that's all good because then you get more visibility, you get more control, and you can just do better, safer things.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely echo those stories. I've heard uh, you know very similar ones uh, elsewhere as well, and of course, you know we're obviously hoping that we all get to get some of our freedoms back and go and enjoy some of those ways of relaxing whatever way we choose to do that. Meredith, the community. Tell us about your aspirations for the community in twenty one
1: I think that the community I hope it continues to kind of be this friendly and helpful and generally warm kind of place as far as communities go i think our members are really top-notch in that way we have some exciting additions that will be launching around the beginning of the year that i won't say more about but it's exciting Uh, (laughs) and then well yeah we have some fun new contests coming up um you can look out for our yearly uh new year's resolutions post i think it will very much reflect the sentiments of this conversation about looking forward to 2021 i'll be excited to see kind of the thoughts of all of our members on how good 2021 is going to be um, and we'll also announce a new cohort of all-stars all
0: stars Right. Well, that sounds like a, a quite a lineup, quite an aspiration. And so everybody, I think uh, we've, we've heard some good stories around what this year's been like and also what we're hoping for next year as well. And as Meredith said, I think the Meraki community has really been a a very useful glue, I think, for, as its name suggests, our community. And with 50,000 members on there, I mean, it's a really fantastic place to uh, talk to other people who are working with Meraki technology. Whether you want to talk about Meraki or gnomes or folding at home or whatever (laughs) it is, there's always an interesting conversation of some kind going on there. So definitely recommend it and if you haven't checked it out already it's super easy to find open up your web browser go to community.meraki.com and you'll be right at home in a matter of minutes and maybe we'll be inviting you onto this podcast in 2021 and we'd absolutely love that i always say every week that uh, anybody who's interested in coming on talking about their story talking about their experiences with meraki technology or technology in general definitely encourage that so do reach out either through the community or you can ping me directly on twitter at meraki simon super easy to find and we would love to get you lined up for uh, a show in the new year okay well i'm going to wrap things up now i want to thank our guests very much for participating today it's been really interesting hearing their stories And it's time to put a close on the Meraki Unboxed podcast for this year. And my goodness, we've made it to the end of 2020. Thank you so much for being a subscriber, I hope, of this podcast. If you are just tuning in for the first time, hit that subscribe button. We'd love to have you back here again. During the break, uh, we will shut down a little bit and we'll probably be returning. Well, I'm confident we will be returning mid-January. So stay tuned for uh, an update there, and if you are missing the Meraki Unbox podcast during that shutdown period, then do please go back and explore the archive. As I said, there is some fantastic material there covering a wide range of topics, including obviously our products that we sell directly, but also our API technology, which has been a super exciting development we've been watching during the course of this year, and also the technology partners that we work with who you know, really take advantage of those APIs and bring them to life with special solutions of their own.
1: You can find the podcast when you're at community.meraki.com. You can find a link to all of the episodes of the podcast right there.
0: Thank you very much, Meredith. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That is definitely a great way to do it. And of course, then you're connected into the community at the same time. So you can talk about the episodes with other folks on there as well. Time to wrap up. Thank you once again. Happy holidays to you all. And we wish you a healthy and safe return back to the office in 2021. Let's do it all again next year. Bye-bye for now.